0: All right, let's talk about amends for a minute. (laughs) We're all powered up.
1: A little bit. We're
0: all powered up. All right, so we're back on 76. Hello. Are you all ready? Yes. Okay. All right. So we're back on 76. We're talking about wrapping up that um, walking out of a seven step, walking out of six and seven, looking at making a list, which means, like Michael said, I didn't burn my inventory, that I'm actually going to be pulling names off that list to make this eight-step list. Um, And then I'm additionally going to be adding to it, because I got to tell you, not everybody that I owed amends to made my inventory. A large portion of them did not, but I had certainly harmed them and certainly owed them an amends, and so, We're we're going to be pulling the names off of our four-step inventory, but then we're going to be adding to um, the people that didn't necessarily make that inventory. So it goes on to talk about faith without works is dead. I mean, it's like as soon as you get done doing something, they're going to tell you one more time. Now we need more action. Not catching a break. I'm constantly in movement. And the reason for that is we talked about earlier that there's a short window of opportunity to get this work done before the willingness begins to wane and suddenly it's not so important and it wasn't so bad if I get rolling through this work there's a spiritual momentum that will pick up and as each step builds on the other and more and more gets cleared out and more is flowing in more action is taken the effect is greater but when I begin to space these things out like we talked about earlier and sort of diminish what this is you won't get the effect necessary so I'm moving through this quickly and these are building one after another so I'm walking out of this making the list and it says we may have, we have a list of all persons we've harmed and to whom we're willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to drastic self-appraisal. When do I make amends? Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. So as soon as pens hit and paper, and I've gotten with a sponsor and outlined what these amends are going to look like, because let me tell you, <laughs> don't just start running out. You've got the list sit down with somebody sit down with your sponsor talk about these amends and what you're going to be doing because sometimes the the tendency is i'm just going to get rolling so i'm just going to run out and make them get a sponsor between you and the general public before you just go postal on people right i, I need to get clear on some things and guys there's motives behind some of the amends we want to make first and i'm going to have to get clear on that stuff and so oftentimes i can't see it and i need somebody there to point out what it is that we're doing and why we're doing it in order and so on and so forth. So, it's, so it says, now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage. We attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. So this is not about, sometimes when you bring up amends, people think, oh yes, I need to apologize to people for all the things I said and did when I was drunk. Yes, <laughs> but not necessarily in and of itself. It says, out of The debris of which that accumulated out of self will and running the show myself. See how that's different than what happened when I was drunk? This is a broad spectrum. Me running on me has caused lots of problems. Did bourbon cause some? Sure. But the vast majority of it is just me running on me. So I've got to see what this stuff looks like. It says, if we haven't the will to do us, we ask until it comes. There's your eight step prayer. Because I don't know, maybe you guys were willing right off the bat to do everything. I had a couple that I thought, oof, I don't know about that. We ask until it comes. They wouldn't have put that there if they didn't get results from that. So those amends that you think, God, I sure don't want to do that. I don't know if I'm willing, okay, then get into prayer about that. Ask for that willingness. Remember it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any links for victory over alcohol. Love how they slide that right in there after you go, I don't know if I'm willing. They're going to bring you back to that point one more time. What links were you willing to go to to get alcohol? What were you willing to do? All of a sudden, I'm faced with I need to get in front of people and square some things and be a real live adult. And now I don't know if I've got the time. I don't know if I'm willing to travel. I don't know if I can work it into. Did you ever do that with drinking? I never said, you know, I'm not really certain I have the time for that. I'm not really certain I can go that far to get a drink. I'm not really certain I can. There was never a question in my mind. It needed to happen, therefore it was going to happen. And if i can approach amends with that mentality of this is what i'm willing to do and i've got to do this my life depends on it the results will be different but when i begin to make excuses for myself and god forbid i have people in my life that are willing to justify that nonsense i'll be in trouble i'll be in trouble so it says i'm willing to go to remember it was agreed i would go to any links and sometimes you have to ask yourself that what links did you go to to get the alcohol so they're gonna set us up a couple different ways they're gonna give us a couple of qualifications for making an amends um, they're gonna give us some different scenarios They're they're gonna talk about money they're gonna talk about criminal offenses they're gonna talk about infidelity um, they're gonna talk about circumstances where other people are involved um, the point is I need to be willing that's the main driving point is that I need to be willing to take whatever action is necessary and sometimes no action is what needs to happen but I've got to get with a sponsor who understands this and if my sponsor hasn't had that particular experience I'm gonna hope that they'll direct me to somebody that has you know cuz I've I certainly haven't had every single circumstance happen to me but if I haven't my sponsor has or her sponsor has and we're gonna get with somebody who understands and has been through that process Does that make sense don't guess if you're a sponsor taking somebody through this work don't guess at what somebody should do, have the humility to say, you know what, I'm not sure about that, but I'm going to find an answer for you, it's the hardest thing for a drunk to say, you know what, I don't know, (laughs) God forbid we admit we don't know something, we're going to ask, you're only dealing with somebody's life in your hands, ask if you don't know, all right, on 77, it says, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about me, or people about us, it's, it's, fairly difficult to be a maximum service to God and the people around me when I'm carrying around all the baggage, all the drama of my past. Because that in and of itself limits me. I can't go certain places. I can't do certain things. I can't be around certain people when I'm ducking and dodging and I'm carrying all that baggage. You guys know what that was like. In the end days of your drinking, what did it look like? I can't go to this place because I've gone off on this person. I can't go over here because these people know what I've done and I hadn't paid them back. And I can't go over see how that works. My life gets real narrow and it begins to crowd in on myself. So now they're talking about my real purpose is that I'm going to be a maximum service. Well, I can't do that until I start sweeping away some of this debris and I can start getting free of that stuff because I sure don't want to live a life where I'm having to hide again all over. So it's important for me to understand what it is that I'm driving at. It talks about, um, Approaching people that still smart from our injustice and going in and announcing that we've gone religious or that we've, that we've found a spiritual mode of living. Um, it says that it's seldom wise to approach somebody who still smarts from our injustice. And so think about that, what that can look like in an in instance where somebody's still burning, still seething about the actions that you've taken. And then you want to run right up in the middle of it and say, but the good news is I found God. I found a spiritual mode of living. You know that think about that. Think about that approach and what that would be like. No, it says in the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to be branded fanatics or religious bores? We may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. Now it's not saying never talk about God. It's not saying don't talk about the spiritual way of living. It's saying use tact and common sense and what this can look like. There's there's going to be times where people will ask you all kinds of questions about the steps. They're going to be interested. They're going to want to know how cool or there's an opportunity for you to carry that message. But when you've stolen $3,000 worth of stuff three weeks ago, you've gone through the work and you run up and go I found God. Isn't it great? No. They need the stuff or they need the stuff to replace the stuff that you've stolen. See how that works? I'm going to have to understand what it is that I'm doing. It says, but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. My goodness, there's qualifications here. A sincere desire to set right the wrong. Where did I get that sincere desire? I better have had a sponsor that rubbed my nose in that fourth column and showed me the truth, which is my problems are my own making. And if I didn't, I'm not going to have a sincere desire. I won't have admitted that those things are objectionable. But if i have that sincere desire that's the first qualification think about that for a second have you ever seen kids in um, like a sandbox that don't play well with others they're stealing each other's little scooping toys and the buckets and one of them gets in trouble from mama and gets a spanking and told you better go apologize to that other little kid go say you're sorry the kid is not sorry but he stomps over there and goes sorry does that solve anything? Did those kids get along? No, that's insincerity. I don't make amends because my sponsor said so. Right? I made amends because I saw that I was wrong. I saw my mistakes and now I have the willingness to do this. Not because somebody said, Audrey, you better go say you're sorry to that girl right now. That's not what this is. It's not and It's not about saying you're sorry anyway. But it says he's gonna be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries because how long have we been saying, I'm so sorry? And did we mean it sometimes? Yes, but I couldn't stop doing those things. I have no credibility with these people and yet I'm gonna go go to them and tell them it's gonna be different this time, I promise. How many times have they heard that? It's different this time, let me tell you why. Because I feel different. That's my favorite one. (laughs) It's really different this time because I feel different. Well, no it's different when you behave differently that's when you get the results from those people when that's what they're looking for is for me to to show up differently problem is I couldn't do that in and of myself and the amends really is about doing it different restitution right but sometimes when we talk about amends we talk about it like it's just the conversation it's just when I sat down, I wronged Michael, I sat down with Michael, told him I was wrong, told him it was going to be different, and now I've made amends to him and I'm done. No, that was the approach. That was the conversation. The amends is when I stop doing to him whatever it was I was doing, or I start doing whatever it is that he asked me to do that I didn't do before. Does that make sense? It's about it being different. So you got to understand that. Sometimes it's like, oh, I made amends to him, check, Done. No, how I show up is the amends. That was just the conversation. So the first qualification is that I have a sincere desire to set right the wrong. Okay, now it says we don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God when it will serve good purpose. We're willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. This is one of my favorites. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It absolutely will arise. And it's going to tell me what I should do. And maybe he's done us more harm than we've done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we're still not too keen about admitting our faults. Love that ego to just spring up. Does anybody else keep tally marks or do percentages in your mind? I'm 47% to blame, you're 53, so I'm just, oof, I don't know if I can make amends to you. But remember, in, when we sat down to do the fifth step, we set aside all that they had done and we looked for our own mistakes that other stuff didn't matter. Although sometimes we sponsor people that want to go on and on and justify And ju- No, what are your mistakes? And when I can set that stuff aside and amends and walk into it with a desire to set it right, no matter what, the results are absolutely, absolutely amazing. But it says, nevertheless, I love this direction. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. Like that horse, you ever seen a horse that has a bit grind their teeth? Mm. <laughs> mm hmm. You take the bit in your teeth, which means shut up, <laughs> right? About anything that they've ever done wrong. And it's going to go on to talk about criticizing them and bringing up their fault. I don't do that. Now, do I sometimes want to? Yeah, I'm still human, but I'm going to take the bit in my teeth and keep my mouth closed on all of that. only thing I'm going to discuss is my wrongs, my fault, right? It's harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. Get in front of those people that you can't stand, the ones that you said that you'd never make amends to. The freedom is exponential compared to what it's like when you get in front of somebody who goes, oh, it's no worries. I totally had forgotten that even happened. Those aside, get in front of somebody who's upset, who that you've terribly harmed and watch the freedom that comes from admitting your your faults and not discussing at all the things that they have done. Whereas before, it sounded like what Michael talked about earlier. If you hadn't, I wouldn't have. And it becomes like a process group. And we want to discuss, well, when you say, I feel, and then you do, and I, d- oh, my God. No, what are the facts? This is another place. Amends is another place where the facts are essential. All the other stuff, oof, leave it. What are the facts? I was wrong in the following ways. Those are the actual facts. So here's the second qualification. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit confessing our former ill-feeling and expressing our regret. It's a great word to throw in there, my regret. Not, I'm sorry, but I regret treating you the way that I've treated you. That's very different than the way that I've always, well, I can't really say I've apologized in my past. I have if I thought that it would make things go away. (laughs) If I thought I could smooth something over with an I'm sorry, then I might have done that. But to say I regret doing what I'm doing and these are the things that I've done, it's very different. It's very different to watch watch what happens. And it's going to go on and just give us some straightforward direction about what to say and what not to say. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Now, do you think that's going to be tempting from time to time? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being in a conversation. You're making an amends for, let's say, these areas over here, and they say something and the details of what they remember is just a little bit different than what you remember and all of a sudden you need to set them straight. You need to clarify. (laughs) Oh my God, don't do that. You'll end up making amends for the amend and as somebody who's done that, that is no fun. (laughs) Well, actually I remember it more a little bit like this and if you hadn't said I wouldn't have, mm, getting to go back and make that round two amend on that. Ugh when I could have just kept my mouth shut and followed the directions from the Big Book like it asked me to do, initially, so simply we tell them we will never get over drinking until we've done our utmost to straighten out the past, because that's what I'm there for. I'm being driven by this truth that if I don't get free and clear by admitting my wrongs honestly and attempting to sweep up my side of the street with zero regard to what you do, your reaction, what you've done in the past, I will never get over drinking. And that's the truth, that's the reality. This isn't about, I need you to like me again. I'm I'm worried Michael and I aren't gonna be buddies because I've said something and now he's mad at me, so I need to go clean it up so when we see each other at the home group, it's not weird. But you see people do that. Do you see how that's different? That's a motive. That's about, I don't wanna be uncomfortable because he's mad at me. I don't want him to say something about me. No, I did something wrong. That's why I get in front of him for no other reason. We're there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. Sometimes we read this book and we don't really look at the words and the verbiage that they've chosen to use. It's so important. Never. Because what my mind says is, but you don't understand this person. You don't know really about this circumstance, and all of a sudden the little nuances become important to me. They're not. Never, under any circumstance, do I criticize you, argue, or tell you what you should do. My God, I'm, I've just joined a 12-step fellowship. I'm attempting to sweep up all the drama from my past, and suddenly I'm going to tell you what you should do? I mean, when you look at it like that, it's like, wow, the absolute arrogance and ridiculousness of that. It's kind of like when we get on a spiritual mode of living, and our family's been on a spiritual mode of living, like, I don't know, their whole life, and we're going to tell them how to get spiritual the same concept. Outside looking in, wow. His faults are not discussed, we stick to our own. I mean, how many times can they say that? Same thing, over and over. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we'll be gratified with the result. That's probably one of my favorite promises from from the amends, Um, because it's not specific to a reaction or a result. And my mind is always one track of, I need this result, this reaction, this experience, and what the amends is allowing me to do is set aside what I think should happen, admit my wrongs honestly, and let the chips fall where they may. I don't need Michael to forgive me. I don't need him to be okay with me again. See how that works? Whereas before, wasn't that your driving motivation, number one, of why you were there in the first place? And two, you weren't happy unless you got the results you needed. Now, what this book is saying is, I can be gratified with the result no matter what it is, which means if he stays upset with me, bless him, that's on him. I can be gratified if, the big old if, I'm calm, frank, and open, which is very different than the way we, re- we interact with people prior to getting sober. Calm, frank, and open. We're usually hysterical, dishonest, and sort of shady, right? Throwing bits and pieces of stuff in there this this is direction to give people that you sponsor and it's so clear and precise it doesn't get any more simple than that we could talk for hours about amends we really could because there's lots of experience here there's lots of um, direction there's lots of four instances if this happens do this the truth is this if i'm willing to get in front of people i've sought direction from a sponsor i'm crystal clear on what i'm doing there god will show up god will give me the words and i will get free that's the truth that's the truth, but what happens is fear settles in. And I'm wondering, well, how is this going to pan out? It doesn't matter. But you won't know that until you do it, and the people that you sponsor will, will possibly question it until they do it. Then they have the experiences showing up. Prior to doing this stuff, um, these steps and these principles, most of us, if we were afraid to do something, we didn't do it. Or if we were uncomfortable with it, we didn't attempt it. We couldn't understand it and make it logically line up. We didn't participate. And in sobriety, what they're asking us to do is take the action anyway. Whether you understand it, whether you agree with it, whether it feels right, I'm going to take the action and leave the results up to God. It doesn't say that I have to not be in fear. There's lots of things that we do, like making some of these, these amends um, that we've been frightened to do. There's lots of things that we do, and then we leave the results up to God. It doesn't matter how it pans out. I remember hearing that in sobriety and thinking, Lord, you clearly don't have to make some of the amends that I have to make until you have the experience with God. In nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. And then it goes on to talk about, sometimes your former enemies will praise you and wish you well. But it should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We've made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. See how that works? It didn't matter if he stopped me in the middle of the amends and said, you know what? No. I've, that's enough. I leave. Because that, that will happen. Sometimes those experiences do take place where somebody allows you to come in and then stops you and says, you know what? I'm not interested. Or they won't return any of your phone calls when you're attempting to call and set up an appointment to make amends with them. But what the literature is saying is, I have to have the willingness to do it. Me staying sober is not contingent upon you accepting my amends. Are you meeting with me? Makes sense. A lot of times people are afraid of that. c well, I'm How can I get sober if people won't see me? No means not now. Sometimes it means it will be later. You know, there's people that they don't want to hear your amends right now, but if you give them time, they may. But it doesn't matter. I've done my demonstration. Water over the dam. If I'm willing to show up and attempt it. There's lots of people I've contacted, and you know, it not always go my way but I got free anyways. Most alcoholics owe money, is that the truth? Anybody not owe money? I always like to poll and look for the one person who's like, I don't owe any money. We don't dodge our creditors. This idea of not living a double life has, has got to continue on past the fifth step. It's got to continue on in the way that I live and show up. Me hiding from people that I owe money from creates more fear, which causes me to rely more on myself, which creates more fear. And it's this vicious cycle of me hiding in sobriety, which means that when the creditor calls, I need to answer the phone. I need to attempt to set up a payment plan. I need to be honest about who I am, what's been going on, and what my intentions are. Um, I love to tell somebody that that owes money to creditors, and their eyes get about like this big. Surely, you don't mean that. Surely, you don't mean that I need to pay people back for things that I've taken. Surely, I don't go to the department store and set up a payment plan. Yes, I surely do mean that. I surely do. Because what it says is, I'm arranging the best deal we can. We let these people know we're sorry. Our drinking's made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go if we're reliable to drink, if we're afraid to face them. Sometimes, the tendency is, I owe you... $15,000. I want to wait until I've got $15,000 to give you, throw it on the table, and then we'll square it. But it says arranging the best deal we can, which means if I've got $20 a week I can pay you, then I need to show up with some money in hand to give you, arrange the best deal that we can, and see what's acceptable to you. Is it possible I can pay you $20 a week, or $50 a month, or whatever it is that you can work out? until this debt is paid off. Is that acceptable to you? I'm not gonna go in and tell you what the plan is, like we've been doing. Here's what I've decided, so you need to get on board with this. No, here's what I owe you. Here's the estimation as I see it. (laughs) I've been drunk for a while, so I might be missing something. But here's the estimation as I see it. Here's what I can do. Is that acceptable to you? If it's not, I'm gonna have to figure something else out. It's gonna have to be on their terms arranging the best deal we can. And then it talks about a criminal offense. Surely no one in here has committed a criminal offense. Right. What do we do? On 79, it says, although these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles with which we find our guiding. So it doesn't matter what it is. If it's finances, criminal offense, there's your first 9 step prayer, reminding ourselves we decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. How many times are they going to remind us of that? How many times? Well, because how many times are we trying to back up trying to balk on this we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be and some of us are going to have this some of us are going to have things that we've got to bring to light and accept whatever whatever the outcome whatever the personal consequence we may lose our position or reputation or face jail but we are willing we have to be we must not shrink at anything other people can get away with not doing this real alcoholic absolutely can't Absolutely. I can't get away with shrinking at some of this stuff. There are things in my past that I had to bring to light and say, what needs to be done about this? Was I afraid? Absolutely. But was I more afraid I would drink again? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's worth it. And if you know anything about Dr. Bob's story, you know this is where he went anything but that. I'm willing to do this right up into the point that you asked me to make amends to people and admit my alcoholism. Not willing to do that. Didn't want to compromise his career, didn't want to compromise his family, his reputation. Reputation seems to be a big one. How people view me, what they think of me, I don't want to admit. Right. Unwilling, 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 right up until the point when he drank again, went back out, got real busy making amends. Right? Alcohol is the great persuader. Like we talked about earlier, I will never beat you into a state of reasonableness that gives you the willingness to go out and get in front of people and make right your wrongs. I'm just not that powerful, nor do I have that kind of time. I will never be able to do that. Alcohol is the great persuader. If you're done, you get real willing real quick, and if not, I get into prayer. All right, and it talks about what to do when other people are involved. So it says, we need not be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. So what do we do when other people are involved? all kinds of for instances on that but I don't get to throw you under the bus to save me which is how I operated before it didn't matter if you got harmed I needed to get the result I needed to get so I was willing to throw you out there now that I'm sober and trying to live on a spiritual basis I don't do that if there's something that's happened between a group of us and I need to set it straight with somebody else I don't get to talk about all, all those people in the group and throw them out there I get to go and admit my wrongs see how that works right? And talks about a story of a guy who didn't pay alimony to his first wife. Now, he could have just gone to jail and set it out. Isn't that what some of us like to Let me just sit it out. But then what? Then he's not paying for his current family. He's not giving them the finances that they need. And he's not paying her back for what he owed her. So wouldn't that have been silly? Foolish martyr to just, I'll just sit it out. Right? So what needs to happen? And this is where sponsorship gets so important because sometimes guys, We think we know, we think we know and we want to use things like logic and I can get with that but we're attempting to live in the fourth dimension where some things don't apply. Third dimension is what makes sense, what's obvious. Fourth dimension is what's God asking me to do. Am I awake to this stuff? And since I'm new and I don't know, I need to be asking my sponsor for some suggestions, for some guidelines from some of her experience and the experience of her sponsor. All right, flip over to 80. So what I do when I've got other people that are involved, it says if we have obtained permission, permission from who? The other people that are involved. Have consulted with others, asked God to help, and the drastic step is indicated we must not shrink. One more time they're telling me I've got to be willing to do whatever's necessary, but I better have gone through some checkpoints before this has happened. Amends is not something to be kind of willy-nilly about. It's has the propensity to harm other people, right? And that's kind of how the step reads, is it not? I'm willing to make amends unless I'm going to be harmed? No. <laughs> Others will be harmed. I hear that all the time. This girl I used to work with used to say, But I'm an other. And I thought, No, you're a self. You're not an other, you're a self. (laughs) No, if I didn't make amends because it would harm me, I wouldn't make any amends because it'd be just embarrassing. (laughs) I'm not an other, I'm a self. But I need to obtain the permission of the people that it has the propensity to affect. Okay? There's my sponsor tells a story about an amends that she absolutely needed to make but her daughter said please don't please don't because it was going to affect her you know what she did she didn't get to make that amends she held herself in readiness until her daughter said i give you the go ahead make that amends but i have to consider the people that are around me which is not something that we've been doing or i wasn't anyway at the bottom of page 80 it talks about domestic troubles anybody have any of those Let me. here's the thing if you don't have some of this stuff that's going on you will sponsor people that do so you need to get clear on what to do with this stuff don't ask the questions don't wait until it comes up ask what do you do with this stuff maybe you've never been in a relationship you don't know what infidelity looks like or what to do what not to do what to say how to ask ask Ask. don't be too arrogant to ask Middle of page 81, it says, Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If, our sure, if we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Not always, we think. Now, this is where it can get dicey and you know, specifics and details and things like that. And again, this is why I bring my sponsor into the picture and lay it out and say, Should I or should I not? And there's so many people in our fellowship that have this experience of when I was getting loaded. I was stepping out on my significant other they have no idea or they have a general idea what do you say what do you not say and so they're gonna they're gonna throw down some principles it says if she knows in a general way what that we have been wild general yeah in a general way that we've been wild should we tell her in detail undoubtedly we should admit our fault she may insist on knowing all the particulars let me say she will insist on knowing all the particulars she'll want to know who the woman is and where she is that's the truth we feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person, Because right? do you see how that works? Somebody else is involved. I don't get to throw him under the bus. <laughs> He's over there, and that's where he works. No, no, I don't get to do that. If he knows, I mean, this is just a for instance, I'm not married, but if I'm stepping out on my husband and he knows in a general way, I know you've you been doing some things, I'm going to admit my fault, but I'm not going to go into details and start naming. Oh, here's the list. Here's the master list. Here's their addresses, phone numbers, their spouses. See how I've involved people that don't need to be involved? I've already harmed him. I'm not going to start harming all these people and their families. I don't get to do that. If he doesn't know at all, there are various circumstances where that happens. I don't have that experience, obviously, because I'm not married, but I know that women who have stepped down on their husbands Stepped out. Is that an old timey term? I feel like it is. Is it? I just heard myself say it and went, Am I so old? I'm so old. Stepping out. All right. Cheated. Sorry. Let me bring it up to 2011. Cheaters. Does anybody watch that show? It's so crazy. Anyway. If I've committed infidelity, right? and he doesn't know should I tell him not always we think there are a lot of women that I've heard their experiences on this and they are the ones that um, should he ask should that be brought to life they hold themselves in complete willingness to admit their fault and until that happens they shoulder that burden Right? and oftentimes when we get sober we just want to spill everything about everything and just get clean free and clear of all of it but what I have to look at is motive is this individual going to be helped is he going to be enriched because I threw it all up on him? Now, I certainly feel better because I, I cleared it on my chest in my conscience. But have I now harmed him further? Possibly, yes. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, the big book says, though there may be justifiable exceptions and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we have often found this is the best course to take. So they're not going to lay down a hard and fast rule, and I'm not going to throw out an absolute to you guys. But you've got to think about further harm and continuing to harm the people around you, throwing other people under the bus. Sometimes we want to admit all kinds of stuff that don't necessarily need need to be brought to light. So you need to get clear on that with your sponsor because sometimes there are exceptions. But the general principle says, I've got to be hard on me and considerate of you. And sometimes that means I harbor stuff. And I'm somebody that has had to do that. There's lots of things that I would love to admit, but I'm not going to because it it continues to harm the people around me. Right? All right. So on 82, it talks about where the utmost frankness may be demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. That third ninth step prayer says each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. That's a different way to pray, isn't it? Usually I'm, I'm praying for a result. <laughs> I'm praying for my way to pan out. Now they're talking about I'm praying that your happiness be uppermost in mine, that I can put your needs first before my own and think of you. Keep it always in sight that we're dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. And isn't that the truth? I've got to understand that that's what I'm working with so that I'm not continuing to step on toes. And it goes on to, um, to discuss what happens in the home. Um, if we have no such complication, there's plenty we should be doing at home. How do I bring these principles into my family, into the people that I'm interacting with on a consistent basis? It's funny how easy it is to practice principles with somebody you see three hours a week at a couple of meetings, and then you go home and treat your family however you want to treat them. And it goes into great detail about um, me not drinking is not repayment for the damage that I've caused to my family. It's just not. Sometimes we delude ourselves into believing that. I've been sober for a while, so we're square. No, because alcohol was never the problem, remember? It was my selfishness and my inconsideration of you that was the problem. And so it's got to be different um, in the home. So it says certainly I must keep sober for there we be no home if I don't, but I'm a long way from making good to the wife or parents for years whom I so shockingly treated. Think about those words. I remember Melanie talking about this one night at at the group, and she talked about the word shockingly treated, how it really just caught her attention. It's not that we're just sometimes don't think of others. Shockingly treated. Look back on your experience. Look back on your inventory. Would you have tolerated that from other people? I sure wouldn't have. I wouldn't have put up with me for a quarter of what my family has. I'm a long way from making good but sometimes we're sober three months and we're like what's your problem i've been I'm not drinking hello let's all get happy and get on the same page no because that's not the problem they're still waiting <laughs> they're still waiting talks about that alcoholic is like a tornado roaring roaring his way through the lives of others hearts are broken sweet relationships are dead affections have been uprooted selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil think about that on your past experience or even current experience in sobriety if this is what it looks like the tornado that has no rhyme or reason show up when we want to leave when we want to destroy what we want leave this stuff alone and don't touch it i mean there's no logic when you look at a tornado's destruction and is there any logic to what it is that we're doing no but after the damage dies down after the wind stops blowing I want to come up on the scene and go, what's y'all's deal? I haven't gotten arrested in a while. I hadn't showed up loaded to a family function, so God, what's up? <laughs> years of drunkenness, years of destruction years of my sickness that's been spewed on people it's going to take a while to get past that it's going to take a while to reconstruct that and whatever you think that time frame is triple it by about 10 that's what you're working with i remember my friend marcia said one time she's like i don't know how long a long period of reconstruction is she's been sober about it i don't know nine months or a year i don't know how long a long period of reconstruction is. it's that's what it means long period and what do you do during that period Wait for them to get past it? No. I'm going to take the lead. Do something different. A remorseful mumbling that we're sorry won't fill the bill at all. Because how long have I been doing that? Rolling up on a scene and going, oh, God, it's destruction everywhere. Hey, my bad. My bad. And then I'm just going to move on. Not acknowledging anything that's happened. A remorseful mumbling. Sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it. Well, how do I now see it? having walked out of a fist step i'm seeing mm, problems are my own making and anything that you guys have done <laughs> i've pushed you into doing it goes on to talk about later in this book that the, any wife or child of an alcoholic is sometimes neurotic why because living with us will make you neurotic right and you're going to find this sponsor, sponsor a lot of people and they'll come to you at about three months sober, sometimes shorter than that, and go, you know what? I don't know what the problem is, but these people just won't let it go. Mm. Right. Right. You've been drinking 17 years, causing lots of problems. <laughs> we know you picked up a three-month ship. Congratulations, but it's a long period ahead of you. Right? Okay? Careful not to criticize them. And it's tempting because you just learned how to take inventory to mm. be watching for their stuff. Don't do that. And if you are, at least keep your mouth shut. Talk about amends for amends. This is not a fun one. Their defects may be glaring. They absolutely will be glaring. Don't touch it. But the chances are our own actions are partly responsible. Here's your fourth night step prayer. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. Take that, I dare you to take that prayer into meditation on a consistent basis and watch what happens. Watch what God will show you with this time. Your family's been damaged for a long time, caused lots of pain, lots of harm to them. Give them a minute, right? Sometimes we get sober. We do this work and we're all jazzed about it. We want to jerk them along and force them to do th- Ease up. Concentrate on your spiritual demonstration. Back up off of them. Just food for thought. As somebody who didn't do it right says so the spiritual life is not a theory we have to live it and if I'm living it there's there's less of a need for me to talk about it here's what I'm doing and here's what how it's going and here's the principles and here's the how long you been they're gonna be twitchy for a while let them be I got a sister that's 18 months clean and sober every time I go to meet her I want to say nearly every time I wonder is she gonna be there 18 months clean and sober, still don't trust her, as I shouldn't. Long period of reconstruction, because a lot of damage has been done. Right? Live the principles, stop talking about the principles. Sometimes we sit in these meetings too long, and we yap about the steps, and yap about the principles, and nobody's practicing them outside this room. Something to think about. We should not talk incessantly to them them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. Mm. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness will make a skeptic out of anyone. Isn't that the truth? I'm just going to go on to talk about wrongs that we may not be able to fully right. Um, People that we can't see. Situations, and there are situations that come up that I can't get in front of somebody. I can't, is there something I can do about it? Is there a letter that can be written? If this person has passed away, is there a side amends that can be made? I mean, gosh, nine times out of 10, there's something that can be done. There's something that can be done. So what do I do with that? And like so many people point out, at this, at this time when they wrote the book, the, the telephone had been invented. Like, You could call people up, but what it's asking me to do is to send them an honest letter. And so I want to follow that direction we should be sensible tactful considerate and humble without being servile or scraping it's not that i'm to get in front of these people um and crawl on my feet because this is what it's saying as god's people we stand on our feet we don't crawl before anyone why because i'm not there to beg for forgiveness i'm there to admit the facts and the facts are i was wrong i regret the way that i treated you and i need to know what exactly i need to do to make it right that's how I stand on my feet but I'm not here to beg you to forgive me because I don't need you to forgive me I've already been forgiven by God and that's all that matters I'm just here to square it with you and then to change the way I treat you moving forward you're gonna watch people's mouths drop ask them what you can do to make it right as somebody who's always said just sorry sorry or didn't acknowledge it at all to stand in front of somebody and say you know what I was wrong instead of "Um, I'm sorry you got mad about what I said God, God, my mother tells that story so many times about me being given a tour. She was a fifth grade teacher, and when I was in the fifth grade, she quit after she had me in class. She likes to throw that in there. Taught for ten years, had to quit after I had GM. But anyway, I was given a tour to the to new students, fourth graders who came up or whatever, and I was telling. All these kids, you don't want that teacher over there, she's mean, she's horrible. Well, this teacher heard me, went and told my mother, my mother forced me to apologize and I got in front of her and said, I'm sorry that you heard what I said. (laughs) No, no, if I need to be right, don't get in front of people. If you need to be justified in your behavior, don't get in front of people. If you're willing to admit your wrongs, it's time, it's time, right? hmm what can I do to make it right that's what I need to do ask them and then you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do whatever it is they ask me to do I remember my grandfather had a list of I don't know how many <coughs> things he wanted me to do to make it right and every time I do those things like pay my bills on time show up early whatever it was i the list was lengthy but every time I do that I'm making amends to him see how that works those living amends, if I think I'll just be a better person and then we'll be square. No, if they ask me to do things, then I can live those out in my life and continue to make that amend back. The ninth step promises, often referred to as the promises of the big book. It says if we're painstaking about this phase, meaning the amends portion of the 12 steps, I, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. It may be that you have felt freedom or happiness at some point, but you're going to begin to to feel a new sense of freedom. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why? Because I'm not having to duck and dodge it. I squared it, and now that experience is for another woman. All those things that I've been hiding and ashamed of and not willing to set straight, I can suddenly lay them bare and say, here's what I've done, here's how I got past it, here's the tools I utilized, and it's not for me anymore. It seems odd to think I would not regret my past or wish to shut the door. I'm somebody who hid so many skeletons to not have to do that. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. Cliff always talks about um, taking, the, taking the words when I had a drink and putting these promises in front of it. and All those things that happen when I drink, the same things that happen when I put this program to the test. Pretty cool. The feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Why? Because I have a purpose. Because I'm doing something different. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Isn't that the goal? That's why I got loaded. My whole attitude and outlook on life quickly changed. Now it's going to happen in a different way. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us, which was everything in my life. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. I love it when I can say that and nobody chants with me. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But they will always materialize if they work for them. If I put forth the effort, they will come to fruition. How about that? It doesn't matter how they show up, what it looks like, if it's a quickly or if it's slowly, it will come, if I'm willing to put forth the effort, right? That, i got to tell you, there's a lot of opinions about amends out there. If I'm, if I'm taking somebody through the work, I, I need to direct them to the book, not tell them what I think. Makes sense? Because there's lots of for instances where I have an opinion. I could probably have an opinion on anything, any topic you lay out on the table, but it's not important. And the last thing you want from a drunk is an opinion. So what I need to be doing as a sponsor is directing them to the book and saying, here's what the literature talks about. Here's the guidelines. Here's the principles. And oh, by the way, these are the four women who have had the exact same experience and here's how they handled this and pull on that stuff. Don't guess. You guess wrong. Lots of pain. Lots of harm. Not to you, to others, more importantly. Cool? All right. I know Michael's got some stuff to talk about on amends and then talk about step 10.
1: Well, as long as we keep in mind what an amends is and what it is not. You know? I'm repairing the damage I've done in the past, period. All I'm doing is attempting to repair the damage. The outcome isn't in my hands. The outcome is in God's hands. And this is the first time we put God to the test and this is the first time you're really putting, your your protégés are really putting God to the test. And we don't, like Audrey said, we don't force them to do something they're not prepared to do. And the most amazing thing is we find out where they qualify in making each amends. And if they meet the conditions, we make that amends and then before you know it the desire builds, the willingness builds and the faith and the preparation and then that individual gets to see what God does in their life and they can finally experience a freedom that they've never experienced in a long long time or never have in their entire life. But look how many pages were covered in dealing with just this topic. She had a lot to cover. It's nine pages of information. The four-step instructions weren't that long. Remember we're releasing this little protege out into the wild to repair the damage done in their past and the last thing we want to do is send them out unprepared or with the wrong motives because do they need more added on to that eight-step list that they already have? If they're like me they have three lifetimes worth of amends to make. They have a lot of damage to repair it. They don't need more. And that's where sponsorship is so key. And again, it's if I don't have experience in a topic, I look around and, Mm -hmm. amazing, guess what? I know someone who's been exactly where you're at. I understand you're about to go in front of a judge. I have a mountain of experience to clean up this criminal issue. Oh! Audrey handled a whole bunch of monetary issues. I really would like you to talk to her because you know what? And all of a sudden they see what is possible because like in nine times out of ten the unexpected happens and it doesn't mean it's good, bad or indifferent. Mm-hmm. You go into an amends and you think you know how it's going to go and nine times out of ten it's not at all as you expected. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean it's it's good, bad, or indifferent, it's just not how you see it, and as long as you're prepared and you're not caught up in the, as in the result, but in what you're actually doing, God handles all the results, and if you're supposed to be able to clean up the wreckage, you'll be able to clean up the wreckage, and it's the most amazing thing, and as they get into it, the willingness builds. The desire comes. The freedom shows up in their life. The connection to God. And all of a sudden they be they're beginning to fit themselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about them. And that's I don't know how to do it, and that's why that key word is fit. It's like I'm training to run a marathon. I'm walking a mile a day. You know what I mean? And it's I I do that little amends, and before I know it, I build up and I can do those amends I thought I was never ever going to be able to do. And it's just amazing. And ask anyone who's done it, and hopefully you've experienced it yourself, and just guide them through and make sure your protégés are prepared. Don't just, good luck. You know? I usually sit down, okay, why don't you lay it out for me how it's going to go. And amends is... It's kind of like talking about step two, the less words the better. Don't be so vague that they have no idea why you're in front of them, but the minute I start saying too many things, I end up on their side of the street (laughs) and I get in trouble. I'm here, I'm expressing my regret because I treated you poorly in this situation. I was being selfish and dishonest and inconsiderate, and you did not deserve it. What can I do to make it right? And I shut up. And no matter what they say, it's okay. God's got my back. I'm just putting out the footwork, and the rest is up to God and it'll be all right. And so now, all these amazing promises, I love how they say, they are being fulfilled among us. Not they might be. Well, to some of the fortunate ones they are. No, they are. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they always materialize if we work for them. And how do we need to work for them? Painstakingly, as they said in the beginning. And these promises will come true. And all of those things that you got out of drinking will happen as a result of this work right here. God is now doing for you what you could not do for yourself. And it's what booze used to do for you.